Is it possible to be successful being a pastor, reaching and teaching and ministering to people every weekend and still build a business at the same time? We're going to talk about that in today's episode. Welcome to the Monetize Your Ministry podcast. And you get a chance to interact with them. To me, that's full-time ministry. You get to serve them. You can be a tenant. You're going to be paying somebody forever. If you do not niche down, you will never be successful. You're so busy just trying to catch everyone and never reaching the right one. Yeah. Um, the bottom line is the truth of the matter is you're not going to die happy because happy that Jesus is like a thief. It brings in itself and then it opens I want to provide content and things that are going to help change lives. And I simultaneously want to, to receive a blessing from that. Embrace their calling. I believe God's blessing that stuff. God's blessing that stuff. Now here's your host, Kamon Hunt. All right, welcome back to the Monetize Your Ministry podcast. I'm excited. This week, we got a guest with us. In fact, this is my first guest on the show. I had to do this. I had to bring on this guest to be the person to share with us this week. It is my brother, my friend, and my business partner, Dr. Myron Edmonds. Myron, welcome to the podcast. Well, glad to be here, man. What's up, bro? <laughs> Listen, it's, it's been a long time coming, but we're here. Yes, we're sir. Here. <laughs> yes, sir. We're here. Yeah, man. So listen, I think for a lot of people, um, you are what you represent, what this podcast is all about, right? You have a ministry that you've been doing. You've been helping people. And now you found a way to turn that into streams of income. And it's only allowed you to help more people. So we're going to get into that in this episode today. And the timing of this episode couldn't be any better. Because we're just coming off of a really impactful weekend. We're going to pack all of that. Um, but I want to start off with this question that I ask all my, I want to start asking all my guests, which is this. What is ministry? If you could define it, what's the word association? When you hear the word ministry, what comes to mind? Yeah, interestingly enough, I've been studying this word a lot lately uh, because we've been doing some trainings at the church. And, you know, the word ministry uh, literally has the connotation of kicking up dust, Right of creating dust. Uh, the, pic the word picture literally is of movement and activity. Uh, it comes from the idea of just serving, right? Um, and so in those days, uh, you know, uh, biblical days, days of antiquity, they didn't have, you know, these hard surface, uh, concrete and asphalt. Uh, there was a lot of, you know, dirt on the ground. And so it just gives the image of people actively moving about, finding ways to serve people. And so the result of it is that it creates dust. Um, I like the visual picture because it, it, it's one that's uh, that's not connected with selfishness. Right. It's about somebody else. It's about creating um, a life that's better for somebody else. I think the, the if I were to you know really just boil this definition down to probably the most palatable one that most of us can can take in. It's just that when you're doing ministry, essentially you are meeting the needs of people, period. That's ministry. It's not as religious as I think we think, but ministry means to meet needs. Uh, you know, oftentimes governments uh, use this term. We don't so much That's use true. that in the United States, but in other countries, they call it the Ministry of Defense, the Ministry, yeah, the ministry of Agriculture, yeah. the Ministry yeah. of Agriculture. Uh, and so they are a, an organization 
uh, or an institution that is serving in that particular area, the nation serving, uh, you know, the Commonwealth or what have you. So it's just really the idea of serving. I love that, man. Now, I, but I'm going to keep that word picture in, in mind, that kicking up dust. I love that. Yeah. I'm going to use that sometimes. So, so you, when, when I use it, you know where I heard it. Yeah, <laughs> I actually got it, to be honest, I got it from Nate. Uh, we were having a deacon's training and we were all, you know, kind of perplexed. If you've been in church for a long time, you know, you have these terms and titles for various uh, offices. And sometimes they create confusion because what you read in scripture often doesn't look like what you see in the church. And so Nate came to our church and was doing a training for the deacons. And that was the term that came up uh, because the word deacon comes from literally the word to serve. And the picture mm -hmm. was to kick up dust. Wow. So, yeah, man, I, 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 I stole that from Nate. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll, I'll be stealing friend. it from you. So just I guess it's, it's, it's fair game. Giving, man. <laughs> it's fair game. It's fair game. Yeah. So just, just for full disclosure, for those watching this, Marin and I, we went to school together um, um, doing our master's degree. We overlapped and then we've been friends for a while and um, we don't see each other often. But I want to use two weekends that we saw each other recently to kind of talk about what you do and kind of bookend them. So a few, uh, maybe like a month and a half ago, I was in Cleveland, brought my whole family out because you were opening this building, pro this building that you've been working on for a while, this vision that God had given you. So Myron leads a congregation in Cleveland, Ohio, in, Euclid, in the Euclid area, and you just opened this new building, right? So it's the Grace Community Church. And then this past weekend, we just were together where you did a men's conference. So here you are. You're very successful as a pastor. You're a sought-after speaker. What is it that moved you to say, okay, I don't just want to stay impacting people um, at my local church or at churches that I'm invited to speak. I want to actually take what I have and move it out into the world of business. Kind of talk to us about that part of your journey. Yeah, so I mean, so the first part's easy. So most ministers, and, and I'm, I'll say pastors in particular, right. mm -hmm. um, and this is across denominational lines. This is uh, you know across religions, really, right? I mean, I spend a lot of time with imams and and with. Um, oh yeah, we should also rabbis. mention you're also a you're a chaplain. In yes, the, yes, in the, yes. I have a chaplain in the Air Force, uh, the United States Air Force. But, you know, just coming across different people who are, quote unquote, pastors, religious leaders, uh, a lot of them, we all have one thing in common. Our job description oftentimes um, is expansive, right? More expansive than the typical person. I mean, a dentist has a very, my wife's a dentist, she has a very refined, specific responsibility. Um, you know, a chef has a very refined and specific responsibility. Um, pastors, man, have... A, a not so refined and specific responsibility. It's literally ministry, right? We are literally called upon to serve. And depending on what the context is, requires what we do. But what I found with most pastors, most pastors do things outside of what is expected of them. Uh, maybe in their local parish, their local church, their synagogue, they're asked to do other things. They're asked to serve outside the context of their religion, outside of their denomination, it's an expectation that you have of you. I'll give you a prime example. If you saw uh, any religious leader, which I, I recently we were uh, in the airport, and as we were coming through the airport in Atlanta airport, we saw um, what I would probably assume would have been a Greek, Greek Orthodox minister. He had on a very long black robe. He had the, uh, the cross around his neck. He had on the religious garb. And I had this thought in my mind. I said, if, if something 
happened to somebody, um, let's say something bad, somebody passed out or something, I wouldn't expect him per se to revive the person, right? Mm -hmm. Because I would be calling for either 911 or I'd call a nurse, is there a doctor around? But I would be looking at them to see if they had any compassion. I would be looking at them to see if they would stay on their phone. There's an expectation I have of this religious figure because of what they represent. And it's almost like we expect more out of them than we expect out of anybody else. Because of that, you always find that ministers are always doing more than what is necessarily expected or required of them from a job description. So that's exactly what I've been doing. That's what you were doing your entire pastorate. We were always doing more. We were always expected to do more. I think you helped me, and this is the answer to your question, you helped me to see that the more that I was doing actually has value. It has value. And, it, and, and so if, if you were to ask me just like dead point, gun to my head, answer that question, the real issue for me was coming out of the expectation that what I was doing did not have value and that it would be wrong for me to charge money or to monetize services that for my entire ministry I have been doing for free. That's the big hurdle that a lot of pastors and ministers have because we ingrained within us is not only the external expectation that we that you are supposed to do something, even if it's, a, it's out, outside of the realm of your expertise, somebody passes out. <laughs> Reverend, you better call somebody. You know what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah. And Pray, then, going to prayer, yeah. Yeah, yeah, going to prayer, do something. And then it's just our own stuff with putting ourselves out there, knowing that there may be some criticism from the larger body as to, you know, is this okay for me to yeah. be charging money for ministry? That is a major challenge that you helped me to overcome, but I have thoroughly overcome that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's that's a good point. So uh, just, be, just because you mentioned it, um, I remember just there were times I would watch you speak um, one time in particular, I was on the West Coast. I live I live in Tampa, but I happened to be on the West Coast and I was speaking somewhere. You were speaking. And because I was my body was still on the East Coast, I had to speak on the West Coast. I woke up very early for where I was and I put on a, another service. I was like, well, I can't sleep. Let me put on another service before I could go to where I was. And you were speaking for some men. Right. And which is we're going to get to the crux of what your ministry um, that you've monetized is. But I was watching and I there's something that just said this man has uh, a way of connecting with men in a way that just should, should not be confined to a preaching moment. It should not just be confined to he speaks. They make a there is something more here that that you should tap into. And so I remember I would just like, man, you, there's something here. And, and and I'll just tell you just for confession, I didn't know what this something would look like, but I just knew there was something more that was there. Yeah, no, it's interesting. Yeah, that, I, I actually remember that. Um, I thought it was the reverse. I thought I was in California and you were on the East Coast. I can't remember, but I do yeah. remember that, yeah. Mm -hmm. But you you mentioned, this is a question I, I want to ask people. You, you've kind of touched on it, but maybe you can go a little deeper. Mindset. It seems like that's the thing that holds a lot of people back, whether we're talking about professional, paid person who is a religious leader, or even someone who is doing a ministry in their local congregation, is serving people, and they're hearing this whole thing about monetize, build a business, create a stream of income. 
it feel it seems like there's a a, a limiting belief. There's some mental block. You've already kind of identified some of it, but I don't know if you wanted to go any deeper or what you've yes. even seen from others. Talk about that a little no, bit. No, no. So there's, a, there's just a thought in my mind, and I'll, I'll use an illustration of it. So I'll go with the same illustration of the expectation that we have for a pastor and the expectation that we have for, let's say, a physician, right? So the, one of the struggles that I have and I think that we have is if you were to ask me, should I charge for ministry? The answer to my question would be no, right? Should I charge for ministry? I would answer that and say no, because ministry is not just my profession. Ministry is my life. You understand what I'm saying? Mm -hmm, There's a mm -hmm. moral obligation upon me that I don't ever withhold ministry from someone, depending on what the circumstances are, because I want to, I need to make money off of it, right? Give me a prime example. If I'm in the grocery store and I see somebody who has passed out again, right? As a Christian, the moral obligation I have, this is not my profession. I'm not talking about my profession or my career. I'm talking about my identity as Mm -hmm. a minister is I make a phone call and I say, we've got somebody who needs help. I will pause and pray and I will not hand out a invoice afterwards. You understand what I'm saying? Right, right. However, the other side of it, and I think this is the delicate dance that I think we try to make, and that a lot of people don't spend enough intellectual capital on to really figure out. But it's quite simple. That So if you switch me out with a physician, and the physician is at Target, he has taken an oath, and he saw this person pass out. He has taken a Hippocratic oath that he has to do something. But we know, you and I both know, that physicians are some of the highest paid people in the world for their profession. What's the difference? The difference is, is that because it is his identity, right, to provide that kind of help for somebody in need, and simultaneously, it's not only his identity, but it's also his profession. Mm -hmm. It's a way that he takes care of himself and feeds his family. We don't have any issues with people having a profession. And I think what happens sometimes with minister, with pastors, especially I'll say, is that um, we are, we, we conflate too often the calling or the vocation with the profession, right? Mm-hmm. Like I literally have to eat and, God, and God's way of taking care of me to eat is the same way he will take care of me uh, to take care of the physician to eat. He has given me a set of skills He has given me a career in this whereby I also, as the Bible would say, should not muzzle the ox, right? I also should be able to benefit. A workman is worthy of his hire. Um, There are time limits, there are contracts, there are hourly wages. There's all kinds of stuff that you can impose upon that from a human resource perspective that puts limitations as to when I should be compensated and when I should not be compensated for what I'm doing. The same way that you would have for a physician who has a Hippocratic oath to take care of people, no matter what the situation. But we have no issue with a physician who, uh, you know, earns a living by doing what he's doing. Does that make That's sense? Good. That makes sense. That makes sense. And it, and I think as you just even said that, you being able to earn a living and um, provide for your family using the ministries God has given you doesn't make you do less of ministry. It allows you to do more of it because you're not pulled in 10 different directions trying to take care of the same needs that you still had. Like the needs are there. But this is just a way that you're taking care of your needs using what God has already given you. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we we would no one would begrudge a school teacher who decided that after hours they would want to tutor people and be paid for it. <laughs> right. Right. No one would begrudge a nurse who decides that she wants to create an invention that will help to make maybe the process of uh, doing lobotomies or whatever smoother or more efficient. Nobody would begrudge a mathematician who decided that they wanted to create, you know, an algorithm for a computer system that's going and, and to be paid for it. Yeah. Right. We only have this prejudice against pastors. Yeah. Yeah. And the truth is, is I went to school. I was trained to do some things that have nothing to do with my identity. Mm. Preaching, creating sermons, writing books. These are all talents and skills that can be developed. Most of the, most of the time they're skills. Right. And as a result of having these skills, I also need to take care of my family. I also want to be able to make have an expansion and impact the kingdom. And we all know we live in a world it requires income, finances to be able to make some of these things happen. And getting to that place where I realize that, you know, this service that I'm providing is outside of, like at, at a church, for example, I do not charge my members to preach. Technically, I'm already charging them. That's what a salary is. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. Even my, I, I'm not working for free even at my church. Right. Now, do I think it's a? Do I think it's the best wage that I can have? Probably not. But there is nothing. There are no pastors except a volunteer pastor, right? Who is actually not being compensated for the work they do. The problem that we have is: should they be compensated for extra stuff, right? Outside of the employment or the place of institutions they're working. And to me, that's where it gets to be more about preference and opinion rather than a principle. So the answer is, is, is it OK to work as a minister and to be paid? Absolutely. It's happening right, right now and nobody has an issue. We just don't want to see people get ahead. That's just right. And it, you're right. It's like we're OK with you getting a salary yeah. once you start turning it into being entrepreneurial and selling stuff. That's I right. think that's where we start. having. And so that's a good, good uh, uh, point that you just pointed out here. So let's talk about. Um, there's there's some people watching you watching this this episode and by the way make sure you subscribe and share this give us a rating and review but people watching you now some guys some guy or some lady is saying okay I got a ministry Myron your ministry is what first of all tell us what your ministry and then I'll ask my next question what what has been the ministry that you've used to monetize talk about that a little bit well, for the most part it's been the area of leadership development specifically towards men right mm-hmm. and so. Um, that's really what we've been doing. We've been creating resources, mm-hmm. uh, books, content, uh, hosting events uh, to help men, as we say, to win the things that matter. But in, essentially, we're doing personal and spiritual development uh, for men. Yeah. And we definitely uh, have found ways to take resources, whether they be human resources, find, uh, uh, um, uh, uh, you know, like books and yeah. content and whatever, and we and we have sold these uh, to help men. Yeah, you say okay. So you mentioned books, you mentioned uh, coaching, you mentioned content. Just personally for you, which one of those methods of packaging your expertise, your passion, which one of those resonates and you enjoy the most? Oh, anything, anything that coaching, absolutely, right? Really. Yeah, well, more than speaking. Well, if, you, if you were to say speaking, coaching, which one? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I say speaking and coaching. I kind of conflated those two, but I, I was separating those two from 
you know, like actual writing books or mm -hmm, creating mm -hmm. some kind of um, actual content that people can consume because people are okay with that. Like people mm -hmm. buy books all the time. People mm -hmm. buy devotionals. I think in people's minds, they have assumed people buy Bibles, you know, Bibles are not free. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. I think they know, look, somebody has put work in to put this thing together. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It is only right. And they, ha and they had to pay to make this available. Somebody had to publish it. Somebody had to print it. Somebody had to cut down some trees and make paper out of it. Like the, the money went into it actually existing and the actual content that goes inside it. Somebody put work in it. Okay, we'll pay you in order to have that service. I think what's happening, though, is with books and stuff, I think people generally have accepted that. Even there, you know, you have some folks who don't feel that you should be selling that. But let's be honest. When you start selling your message, speaking, when you start selling your presence, coaching, that's, I think, where people feel like, wait a minute, like we have issued that. And I told some uh, this guy the other day, he was like, you know, well, I, don't, I don't think you should be charging for this. And I was just like, um, well, I'm not charging. I said, I am providing a service for you and you have deemed this valuable. If you don't deem it valuable, then you're not being charged. You don't have to buy it. <laughs> this is only available for people who deem it valuable. And the only way that you can have access to this value is if there is an exchange, that there is some kind of an exchange. Outside of that, you're not being charged. I'm not charging you. <laughs> no, this is like no, really, honestly, it's like I, I'm not even trying to sell you if you don't see value in this. This is for a certain person. And I think too often, I think maybe some of the you know struggles you've talked me out of this a lot of times we have with people is you have these folks who raise these objections to you selling who just don't see value in what you're doing. Period. If they saw value in it, they wouldn't, they wouldn't even they would say nothing about it because these are the same folks that will buy stuff on Netflix. These are the same folks that put a value on certain cars when they really don't need that name brand of a car. Certain people put value on clothes. It's because they see value in Louis Vuitton. They see value in Nike. They see value in Apple products, right? They could have something else, but they are paying for a value. And most of the time they're, uh, they're not being sold on it. They feel like they need this. Right. So I think it's the same thing even with ministry. And you said some that I want somebody to, to hear this. You are you have something and you are allowing one people who don't see value in it, who probably would never buy from you to stop you from putting something out there. And then sometimes we even allow the imagination that someone will object to, to stop us from putting it out there. When the truth is there are people who are waiting for it, who find value, who are literally almost begging you to put something out there. And so what you just said, you're not charging anyone. You're, you're catering and you're serving the people who find value in what you have. Absolutely. And I think one of the things that I've learned from you is that you, you will not value something unless there is an exchange. There has to be some level of an exchange in order for there to be value placed upon something. Uh, you know, uh, have you ever been given something before? And uh, prime example, somebody gave me a pair of Jordans, right? And these were coveted pair of Jordan threes, right? A member of my church came and gave them to me. I wear them indiscriminately because I didn't buy them. Mm -hmm. I, 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 there was no exchange except that they were gifted to me. 
And so I noticed that I treat them differently because I did not necessarily buy them. I don't, I, 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 there was no, I didn't lose anything. I didn't exchange anything for it. And so, uh, you know, you, 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 you and I both have heard folks say, if you don't pay, you won't pay attention. That's right. And honestly, I'm now of the mindset, not just that there's an, a, an ex- when you have value, there should be an exchange. I'm also of the mindset now, seriously, where I'm like, you will not, you will not benefit from this unless you exchange some, unless there's an exchange with this. Yeah. Like you will not, you will not be able to really experience the transformation necessary in what I am providing unless there is an exchange. There has to be one. You yeah. have to make an investment. If you don't make an investment of it, what I'm offering you, you will never take seriously. And of course you have people out there, oh yes, I will. But you and I know, both know it to be true. We've seen it time and time again, where we have given something away to someone yeah. and they have they have not taken full advantage of yeah, it. Yeah. When somebody has made an investment in something, we've seen exponential in. differences in their lives because they made an, an exchange. Yeah, yeah. That that is such a good point. Like uh, even David says, well, I don't I don't want to offer a sacrifice that doesn't cost me cost anything. Me like he, yeah. Yeah, there is something about I need to put some skin in this game so that as soon as I'm charged, as soon as I find the money, I put it in. I'm now the transformation begins once the transaction has happened. Like yes. okay, right? I I haven't even gone to the first class, but I'm a different person because I signed up for this thing and I paid my money. So. I'm on the road. Even before I learned the first lesson, I'm on the road. I just think, well, I don't know why we're, again, and this is just my personal opinion. The, the idea of monetizing your ministry is needed because, not, be, not because there's, there's, there's ministry needs. You didn't start this podcast to, to, to just inspire people to ministry, right? That is definitely an aspect of this. But there's also a psychological piece to this and a socialization piece to this where you have some people who have something to offer and people will never place value on it because they will not put any value on it. And they need to be convinced that until you place a value on it, prime example, we just built this church. If this church were to be built, it, there had to be an exchange, man. Yeah, yeah. You could, we couldn't just build this for free, right? <laughs> You can't just, I mean, what? what's well, ministry? Like, yeah. nobody's going to give this to us because we're a church. Sometimes I would hear church people say, I mean, I wish these carpenters and these electricians, uh, <laughs> their ministry, maybe they'll give us a discount. What? That doesn't make any sense. Yeah. For what they're providing for us, it is that valuable for us to have electricity. So yeah. we have to pay somebody to wire this place. In the same respect, there's a husband out there who wants to be a better husband. And he, in order for him to be a better husband, he has to make an exchange in order for him to value the fact that him being a husband to his family is that important that I'm willing to make an exchange for it. And I just feel like it's unfair that they do this to ministry, right? And they won't do this to anything else. Nobody else out there, Kimono, you know I'm telling the truth. I, I might be going off on a tangent, but a lot of times church people, and I wanna encourage somebody right now, do not allow church people who exchange value on a regular basis for stuff. And some stuff is that that's not that has no eternal value whatsoever. People waste money on a regular basis. You know that and I know that, especially in the United States. And then when somebody is actually trying to make an impact in their life, you don't want them to uh, um, you don't want them to provide any any value to it or to make an exchange. It's it's just it's unfair 
because you're, we are allowing people's opinion and prejudice about seeing people in ministry get ahead, prevent us from doing the thing that God has told us to do. That's and good. honestly, now we can do more, Kimon. We just had our second uh, men's conference. And because our finances were, were, were in a better place, because we actually did charge for services, we were able to bring in income and that income allowed us to reach more men. That's right. That's right. And I'm glad you mentioned the conference because I wanted to go there. So this is our second annual. I'm glad you say it that way. It's our second annual, which means we're continuing to do it and we will continue to do that. And, I, yes, and I, 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 we had a meeting today and I said to you, the first one was important to have it. Right. But the second one is almost as or more important than the first one because it tells people, oh, they, they they're not a fly by night. They're not just going to, you know, stop, do something, blow up and stop. We kept doing it. But we we more than doubled. And I heard your math. We we might have almost been close to tripling our our attendance last year. And just talk to us about this conference, because, right, churches host conferences, uh, religious organizations host conferences. But here it is now. You're in a space where you're hosting a conference. What's different about it? Um you know, like, tell us about, as someone thinking about monetizing their thing, why would you do something that a religious organization might already been doing? And what's different about what you're doing? Because God has called you to do something unique. And when a religious organization or a church does something or a body of people, um, what they're doing has value. But it is, it comes from an ethos. It comes from a perspective that is representative of that unique body or organization. And that has a place. But there's also something that God wants you to do. And I, I mean, you and I both discovered this this weekend, that what the space that we provided for men would not, we would not have had the freedom to help the men the way that we know mm -hmm. we can help men, the way that we know is effective to help men had we attached this to a certain religious organization, there would have been constraints. There would have been red tape that we would have had to overcome just so that we could have the experience that we had. And then there would have been a, a, a considerable amount of criticism, possibly at the way we did it. And I just want to free somebody right now, because there are those of you out there, you're trying too hard to placate to other people to give them permission to do something that God has called you to do. I even think of the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul literally had to monetize himself because he did not, by being a tent maker, because he did not want to have the constraints of the church uh, upon him to prevent him from going across the world and creating Christians. That was really why he, you, you, you read the scriptures. He was like, look, I didn't want to have anybody. And I'm paraphrasing. I didn't want to have anybody to say this or that. So he said, I went out and made tents myself so that I could do this ministry and not have to worry about you uh, imposing your values upon what I'm trying to do. And you and I both know that the Apostle Paul was highly criticized mm -hmm. for his ministry. And there are those of you that God has given you something unique to do. And when you refuse to do it, you are literally holding yourself back from a population of people that will never be re re reached by certain entities. Your ministry needs to be monetized. You need to have the conference. You need to have the mastermind. You need to write the book. It doesn't need to be published by anybody else. You need to, to, to start the, uh, 
the organization or the following or the platform because what God has given you to do, he has not given somebody else to do. And I think so so often, again, we're trying to find ways to get people to co-sign on what we're doing. You and I both know, Kimo, we have to do this this way. There's a group of people we're trying to reach that certain organizations are not trying to reach. And we know how to reach these people. And in order for us to do it, we have to do it our way. I love that. You know, you you say we're waiting for a co-signer where God has already given you all that you need for this thing. Yeah. you, you wait, you wait. And sometimes we say we're waiting on God. And God's like, no, nah, I'm waiting on you. I already you. gave you everything you, you need for this thing. All right, Myron, I'm going to allow you to play business coach. Somebody's out there. Give them one tip, one lesson that you've learned or you want to just give to someone who is trying to build something of your own. What's one tip, one lesson you would give them, some business tip that you want to give them? Yeah. Uh, outside of hiring Kimon as a business <laughs> coach. Find a business coach, seriously. Um, and, and I would say, especially one who is one of faith, right? That understands ministry. And this is a monetize your ministry podcast. So I think there are some nuances. Um, sometimes it's necessary to have someone who understands the industry that you are in. So especially if you're a person of faith and you have a group of people that you want to reach and minister, um, that you have gifts and talents to reach. I think without question, the most pivotal move I made was hiring that's an exchange of value, a coach to help me to expand my ministry. I heard uh, uh, one pastor say this before. He said, salvation is free, but ministry costs, right? Like the idea that you can go to the next level simply by YouTubing it. And there are some people who have, but if you would have, but if if that was the way for you, you would have done it already. You know YouTube exists. Right. Sometimes we need somebody to help us to get clarity on what we're doing. Right. To get a plan for what we're doing. And we need that plan to exercise it. That's why I always feel like and I've said this over and over again, the next level in just about anything in life is bringing somebody else in with the knowledge that you don't have to help you to get to that next stage. And if you are trying to monetize your ministry, you're trying to start a business, if you feel a tug towards some type of entrepreneurship, and you haven't done it yet, probably because you don't know what you're doing. And so I would encourage you to get somebody who can guide you along the way so that you're not making a lot of mistakes and missteps. I would say that I probably wasted time because I was debating as to whether what I wanted to provide was valuable enough to pay somebody to help me to do. I was trying to figure out, was there a backdoor way where I didn't have to pay Kimon, truth be told. And at some point, I just settled in my mind you know what, this is not an issue of whether you should pay somebody or not. Well, what it is, is is it's always an issue of value. Do I value what I'm doing enough that I'm willing to make an investment in this? Just like my church, my members thought that that building was valuable enough to have that they invested almost $3 million in that building. Do you see what you have to offer valuable enough that you're willing to hire a coach to help you to figure out what you're going to do with the gifts that God has given you. And to me, outside of anything else, if you're starting a business, you need a coach. And I would highly recommend that you do that. That's good. That's good. All right, Myron, tell people where they can follow you. I know you're on Instagram, um, your Instagram influencer. Uh, <laughs> tell people where they can get resources. And, and if you're a man now watching this, I'm just telling you, you got to be a part of the ministry and the things that Myron and I have been partnering on. 
things that you're leading out in. I mean, just just to to talk about this weekend, the the word that we heard from men over and over is this is the best conference I've ever been a part of. I felt understood. You know, I knew I'm not alone. I know I'm not alone anymore. Kind of talk to us one how we can follow you and how to take a next step to connect with what you're what you're offering. Absolutely, I, and I say this as a testament to how far I've come. Before I used to diminish the value that I was offering. But I'm telling you now, what God has given us, that's myself and Kimon, but what God has mm-hmm. given us to help men is life-changing. It is transformative. We're seeing it with our very eyes. And I would highly encourage you as a man or as someone who loves men, a mother, a wife, a sister, listen, you need to go to my website, myronedmonds.com, and you can learn more about the things that I'm doing. But I want to encourage you to go to the Men's Breakthrough conference.com uh the uh, you can also find me at uh, men's breakthrough mastermind.com uh, if you can't remember any of that just go to my instagram at it's myron live i-t-s-m-y-r-o-n-l-i-v-e and you can go to uh, my bio and find out as much as you can about the things that we are offering i want to pause right now because kimon there, there could be somebody that's watching that needs the confidence right they need mm-hmm. They need the clarity. They've been kind of just wasted, or just treading water, like spinning their wheels, haven't really got the ground. They got books that they've been talking about that they've had written for years, and they just never did anything with it. I want to, I want to, I want to turn this the other way now. Kimon can help you. He has helped me. Has changed my life. Has changed the future of my family, and simultaneously has helped to increase my influence and impact and income who doesn't want that i want to encourage you right now all with a clear conscience that you should take this opportunity right now to connect with kimon in any way possible um and if you want to witness an example of it go to my instagram at itsmyronlive.com i went from zero literally from zero maybe less than zero maybe more 500 a thousand followers on instagram to eighty thousand uh eighty five thousand as a result of what kimon has brought to the table um, you know, I went from a conference that had maybe 60 people, not including our staff. And we, this year we got close to 200 uh, people at this conference and more and more lives are being changed. This is what happens when you get a coach. <laughs> and so if you want to use me as a template, look at what I'm doing. What I'm doing obviously can impact the men in your life, but also can be an inspiration to you of what you can accomplish. And there's so much more that we're getting ready to do. And uh, yeah, I, I'm just excited about it. Yeah, man. Look, Myron, I admire what you're doing. I'm 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 blessed to be partner with you for the stuff that we're doing and to see the lives change. And uh, for anyone out there who you're sitting on something, know this: what you are sitting on, someone, yes. and, and no matter how nuanced it is, someone right now is looking for that thing that will change your life, and they val- they'll value it enough to pay you for it. So just take action on it, invest in yourself, and uh, increase your income and your impact. Thank you for listening to the Monetize Your Ministry podcast with Kimon Hines. For more information, visit our website at www.monetizeyourministrypodcast.com. That's www.monetizeyourministrypodcast.com. Find us on YouTube, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Please share this episode with someone who needs it. Let's increase our income and impact.